And as I stated last week, I'm normally the type of guy who goes through a couple of verses. We we study the Greek and Hebrew, uh, if it's applicable, um, in a particular verse. And we look at it contextually uh, within the chapter, the book, and, and the whole canon of Scripture. Um, we're doing something a little different these, these first few weeks because chapter 1 of Colossians is a little strange to me. Um, it's repetitive. You know, the first chunk and the second chunk sort of repeat themselves in a sense. And so rather than being redundant, I've just been seeking the Lord in what message to be preached from these scriptures each week. And so um, last week we talked about the importance of uh, being together. Um, as Paul is describing uh, the Colossian church, you know, he's mentioning people who have helped like Epaphras. Um, he's talking about how he's just so filled with joy when he thinks about them and, and how much he prays for them and how the – although you, know, you have um, Paul who's in prison currently as he's writing this letter and the Colossian church that's in heresy, they're still together. They're still one. The church as a whole is still connected by the blood of Jesus. So this is not a letter from Paul who's way up here talking down to the Colossian church and hopefully you can make it to, to my level. It's, hey, we're all in this together. And so this week we're going to talk about how what we do is for the church. God loves his church. Jesus loves the church. The, the imagery that the Bible, Bible uses about the church is the imagery of a husband and uh, a wife, or I should say, uh, a, a man and his uh, and his uh, engaged bride, or, or uh, his fiance, if you will, um, that God is preparing the church for His Son, and that that union is 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 symbolic. Marriage is a shadow of the kingdom of God. Um, we don't uh, lower marriage, but at the same time, marriage is not the end all. Jesus is the end all of all things. And so that's the image that uh, the Bible uses about the church and Jesus and the relationship between the two. So if you're a husband today, you know how much you would do to protect your wife or to serve your wife or to love your wife. And that's a, a pale glimpse into what Jesus would do for his church and does do for his church. So conversely, we have a part to play as well. Um, the bride doesn't just simply sit and wait as as she awaits uh, the return of her king, we have a, th a thing to do, a job to do, a role to play in the world. Um, we have things like our uh, uh, the different elections that are going on right now, state to state. We're watching that all happen. That's all unfolding. We're watching natural disasters happen left and right, crime rampant, uh, just, just things. The world is just chaotic, wars and rumors of wars. And we as a church are not called to bunker down and be safe. We're called to go out and to serve and to love and to make ourselves vulnerable to the world that's dying around us in hopes of showing them Jesus and they too coming into the kingdom of God. Our goal, our mission is always to reach people to come to know Jesus. If, if we teach them how to be really good moral people but they don't know Jesus, we haven't really won anything. They're just a cleaned up sinner that's still going to go to hell one day. And so we want to meet we want people to meet Jesus. We want them even to see our bad example when we falter and when we fail. We want them to see, yeah, you know, we we suck, but we but Jesus is good. He forgives me, and now I've got to make things right where I have fallen or I faltered or maybe hurt somebody. So what we do 
generally speaking, goes back to the, the edification and the building up of the church. Now, the good news is that God builds his church. It's not up to us. I love that about Christianity. I love that I get to be a part of something, but that it doesn't all rest on my shoulders. Are there moments in your life where you feel like everything just rests on you, and if you don't perform, it's all going to fall apart? That everybody else has the ability to walk away, but you can't because so much will just come crumbling down if you do. Um, part of that is a lie from Satan. Some of you are very intricately you know, built into your family and, and do more than most, and that's not really what I'm speaking about. What I'm saying is in the church especially, it's not all built upon the, the shoulders of one particular man or church or group. It's all built upon Jesus. He's the foundation. He's the builder. He's the cornerstone. He's the, the end all, the all in all. And it's all up to him and his performance. And what we find from the word is that God's performance is superb. It's perfect. So we get to be a part of that. Even when we falter, somehow God calculates into his plan our shortcomings and our failures. And, and brings along people who either A, help you, or are successful where you fall. Even if you're disobedient, even if you say, I'm not doing that, you know, God still, it's not as though God sits back and says, well, I just don't know what I'm going to do now. Tony won't go perform for me. No, he gets his job, he gets the job done in spite of my shortcomings and failures. And then allows me to come back in repentance if I find myself in that place and say, Lord, you know, I'm sorry. Gosh, that was really dumb of me. I don't know what I was thinking. And please, you know, help me not make that decision again because that was dumb. So as we read Colossians chapter 1, verses uh, 1 through 8, um, I'm going to pick up just a couple of themes that we have in here about the church and how we serve the church and love the church, etc., etc. Colossians 1 and 1 says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. We always thank God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love that you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you, since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. Let's pray. Jesus, your word is good and perfect and pure and holy. It does not need to be edited. It does not need to be paraphrased. It does not need to be changed. It is us that need to be edited and changed. And so I pray today, Lord, even as we might uh, fight against the truth, may we recognize that it is the truth and may you change us. May, you, may we be the moldable clay in the potter's hands that changes because of the word and not vice versa. And we give you the praise and glory today in Jesus' name. Amen. So today's sermon is entitled For the Church, and I'm just going to point out a few things that we are for the church. Number one is thankful. Thankful for the church. Paul says, we, are, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. He's not just praying for one individual, he's praying for the church in Colossae. He's praying for this little church that's probably only five to ten years old at most. And overall, the church in and of itself is just a few years old. I mean, this is the beginning of the beginnings when it comes to what we do here today. Um, Paul was still thankful for them. He's going to point out heresy and false teaching that is occurring in this church later on in the book. But for now, 
he still steps back and says, you know what? I, I'm so thankful for you guys. I'm so thankful for what you do. I'm so thankful for the, the gospel that is growing, even in spite of the heresy and, and, and the false teachers that have come in and kind of infiltrated over the last couple of years. I'm still thankful for you. Um, this last couple of days, Sarah and I, we were, uh, we were at a, a place in Aurora, New York. It was a bed and breakfast uh, through an organization called David's Refuge. And what they do, just a little promotion for them, what they do is they provide care for the caregiver. And so we were there along with five other couples or four other couples, um, and all of us came from a place where we were caring for somebody who was sick. And um, so we kind of shared Ethan's story, and then um, they all shared their stories about having children with uh, a rare genetic disorders and, and, and as a result wheelchairs and feeding tubes and just constant care 24 hours a day. And so this group, David's Refuge, they just provide a small respite for folks to go out to recharge and then come uh, back home able to serve and uh, help those that they care for. And so when they got to us, you know, we started talking about the church. Like, oh, what do you do? I'm a pastor. Oh, a church, South Bay. And, and, I, and I always tell them how, uh, how amazing you guys are and how much I love serving you guys and the church that, you've, that has been built here. I'm so thankful for the people that are here. Um, as far as I'm concerned, we have the best church in Canastota. I don't, I'm not, that's not a, a, you know, it's not a competition because if it was, we'd win. But we are the best, as far as I'm concerned, the best church around. Not because we're special and not because we've got better stuff than other people or the biggest building or the best programs, but because of the people that are here that are loving and giving and kind and um, looking to serve one another. And we have our quirks and we have our shortcomings, but we're learning to get through those things so that we can better love and serve each other. And so as Paul echoes this you know for us we we must be thankful for our church it's hard to say you must be thankful because it's 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 like takes the emotion out of it okay i'll be thankful you know based on you know the law of what you said but i'm not really thankful but here's what i want you to do i want you to to consider the church uh you know our church south bay chapel and then uh the church community of canastota and just kind of go out and think about the global church and and the persecuted church and and begin to thank god for what he has done you know, we stand upon ministries and, and, and men and women and groups that have all gone before us and sacrificed so that we could enjoy church, so that we could come together, uh, not just in a building and not just for potlucks, but that we can develop this family that God is slowly knitting together like a, like a, a big sweater that he's just going to put on one day. Uh, he's knitting us together so that we're more than just friends. We're we're like this this family that's even deeper than than our own blood. It's it's one that's brought together by the blood of Christ, and that doesn't exclude us from being awkward. I'm a very awkward man to the point where I've just got to the point I'm just going to enjoy being awkward. I'm just gonna, done apologizing and and trying to be go through it. You know, I'm just awkward. You know, I just you come to my house and I'm going to show up in my pajamas. I'm just an awkward man. Um, unless my wife is there and she's like, put a shirt on. <laughs> um, but my point is this I, I, I'm awkward but what I'd rather do is serve you guys in my awkwardness and love you guys through that rather than try to be somebody else and be like somebody else and just be the man that God has called me to be and I would encourage you to do the same thing you know I've said from the pulpit before I'm not a big hugger you know I've kind of gotten through a lot of that and, and tried to reach out and hug people where I can some of you are huggers be huggers just hug people just love people just say, hey, you know, 
encourage them if that's your gift. Love them if that's your gift. And even if you can't, find a way to do that through the, the, the life and character and personality that Christ has given you. Be thankful for the church that, that God has called you into. No church is perfect. You know, you meet some folks and they're between churches and, and you get the impression they're just looking for a perfect church. And it doesn't exist. Every church has something that you could pick out and say, that's wrong or that is, that's not how I would do it. And that's not a good reason to keep from going to a church. Now, if the reason is the pastor keeps stealing all the money and having adulterous affairs with all the women in the church, that's a good enough reason to stay away. Like I don't. I want to make some things perfectly clear here. Um, but you know, they they sing more you know contemporary music instead of traditional, or vice versa. Well, now you're kind of being nitpicky, and the songs aren't necessarily for you. They're for Jesus. You know, I sing songs here on Sunday morning. I wouldn't naturally listen to those you know in the radio while I'm driving in the car. You know, I'm not. But that purpose, this moment where we come together and sing songs, it's not for me. It's not for you. It's for Jesus. We're singing songs to Him. I hope He likes them. If I don't care for him, I'm thinking to myself, I wonder if Jesus doesn't even like this song. But he's like, uh, it's like when your kid makes you a meal and it doesn't taste that good, but you're like, my kid made it for me, so I got to enjoy it and let him know that it was good. Like, I wonder if Jesus just stands back sometimes. Well, said that verse 15 times. Okay, keep going. I, I appreciate it. You know, I don't know. That's maybe what, maybe Jesus is just better than that. But my, my point is this that the music is not really a good reason to divide. You know, it's a reason to be different and to celebrate our differences, but. Man, for me, I, I didn't grow up in the church, so when I first got involved in church music, I didn't have this dividing line that said this is contemporary and this is traditional or this is these are hymns and this is not hymns. I just saw this music and said, well, this glorifies Jesus and this glorifies Jesus and this glorifies Jesus, and, and that's what we're meant to do with this tool that God's given us. And so all that to say, come back to be thankful for the church. She's not perfect. She has her flaws. God is cleaning her up and sanctifying her by his word, he says. But be thankful that you have a church. Be thankful and let that thankfulness fuel your servitude here at the church. There's always stuff that needs to be done. You know, There's always stuff that you can put your hand to do. We might not have incredible ministries where there's 500 people and you lead all of them. We might just need somebody to vacuum or to take out the trash or to help Kristen and Justin on a Sunday morning or, or um, come shovel when um when the snow gets so deep that we had it plowed but nobody shoveled the the porch thing whatever that's called the ramp nobody nobody shovels that this wednesday um we were going to come to church for the women's group and i was like oh no we had it plowed but nobody shoveled i got you got to drop me off sarah she had to go do something like just drop me off and, and you know there was like there was like three inches of ice on that thing like holy moly for me that was a first you guys all been here a while you guys are like that's nothing California city kid, whatever. But for me, I was like, holy moly, I'm glad I gave myself some time to do this. And I was out there, and I was having a ball. I'm not complaining at all. I was picking up big chunks of ice and just chucking them across the way. and just. So if there's like ice in the road, that might be my fault. That being said, there's always something that can be done. There's always somebody who can be served. It doesn't have to be within these walls. It's at when we leave here. But who's sick? Who's hurting? Who needs something? Who isn't here this morning? That can be visited this week or called this week or sent a text this week just to say, hey, I know you still and I love you still and we missed you and we'd like to see you um, just be healthy and strong and all of that. Be thankful for the church. Jesus has given you the church to love and to serve and to be loved and served by as well. Um, number two, prayer for the church. 
Paul says, we always thank God, the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Are you praying for the church? You don't have to answer that. But are you praying for the church? And when you pray for the church, what are you praying? Um, sometimes, like I did this morning, the prayers of just our simple little church can be so overwhelming. There can be so much that I literally go to the Lord, throw up my arms and say, Lord, you know our church, you know the problems, you know what people are going through, and I simply come to ask that you would do something on their behalf and change me to be able to help in any way that I can. It's, it's sort of this surrendering before God. I, I got nothing to bring to this situation, but I know you have everything you need. I know there's a way and a role that you want me to play in this, and it may just be an encouraging word. It may just be loving on somebody who doesn't feel loved, but Lord, help me to do that. And if I can do more than that, help me to do that and recognize that. Um, prayer has this great ability of uniting. Later in, the, later in the gospel or later in this book and elsewhere, especially in the New Testament, Paul will use this, this uh, analogy of being knit together. And for me, when I visualize that, the, the, the analogy that I see, you know, I see the knitting, but I see, um, you know, if you've ever had a sweater with the string that kind of comes out and you pull it and if it doesn't, if it doesn't unravel, it'll tighten, you know, it'll, that little yarn is connected and, and intricately woven between all the different knots and stuff and it'll actually tighten it together. You know, it's in that sense, it's, it's, that's a negative uh, thing. But in this sense, what I'm seeing is the Lord using prayer to tighten us up together. Now, nothing, nothing is more intimate in the, in the church than prayer. Simply coming alongside somebody and saying, hey, can I pray for you? Hey, you know, I could really use some prayer right now. It's one of those things where we kind of let our guard down. And sometimes it's the unspoken prayer and we do that. And some things are sensitive. And I understand that. But oftentimes it's like, you know what, I don't know where the rent's coming from. Or, you know, this is the diagnosis or this is what might be going on in my body and I don't know what to do. Or, you know, I just want to know what God wants me to do next. I feel so lost. And, and sometimes you hear stories and, and you can share that you've been through the same thing already. Like I remember when I, you know, I didn't know the next step and this is what happened with us. And, you know, God was faithful for us. I know he'll be faithful for you, but let me pray for you. This is how relationships build. This is how intimacy grows. And this is how that, that, that knitting just grows and grows and goes back together. It's by praying through for one another. Now, we're also bound together by the Holy Spirit. I don't want to diminish that at all. Um, but where, where the Holy Spirit binds us uh, in a way that we maybe can't see and it's not as tangible, prayer is that tangible thing where we start to see the relationship grow. And when someone prays for you or you pray for them and you start seeing that a relationship is building outside of the church walls, then you truly begin to see discipleship happen. You start to see people growing out of the the environment that they've been stuck in for so long. You see them delivered, all because you began to pray for somebody. Now that's a, that's if you're in their presence, but now you go home, you're by yourself, and nobody's there to hear your prayers but Jesus. How are you praying for the church? Um, pray what Jesus would want. The Bible's pretty clear that he wants his kingdom to grow, that he's long-suffering, First Peter says, wanting everybody to come to know Jesus. And so if you know folks in your family, um, uh, in your church family, that are just falling, they're just hurting, they're, 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 their life is just not what it could be, then just pray for them. Pray for the ones that you might think are strong. 
pray for them too. And pray that as a church we rise up together, uh, moving along and progressing at the same pace, not, you know, group A, group B, and group C, that we're all together walking at the same pace, following the same person who is Jesus. Paul says he was always thankful when he prayed for them. Now, I believe Paul prayed for the Colossian church and the other churches that he helped either start or just be a part of. And so it is, it is a duty, but a privilege to be able to pray for our church. And I would, um, even if it's just, Lord, I pray for South Bay Chapel. May you just bless South Bay Chapel. Bless, you know, help Pastor Tony because he doesn't know what he's doing. Just pray for him and pray for the, you know, the worship team, uh, Pastor Mike and Ben and Kristen and Justin. They're rocking it, but we just pray for them and, and their daily lives when they're outside of the church walls. And then pray for us to come together where we, we are knit together as a family more than just a club or an organization. Number three. Faith and love for the church. Verses 4 through 6 says, Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love that you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world is bear, it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. You are needed. Um, the gospel and church is not all about you. The gospel and church is all about Jesus. We get that, right? We can all kind of, we can at least have that answer even though sometimes we don't understand it or maybe uh, uh, even when we contemplate it, it's still a mystery to us. But we understand that church is not about us, church is about Jesus. That the gospel is not about you know us and we're not the main character, Jesus is the main character. But though that is true, you are also needed. The church needs you to be the part that you have been called to be. Now, in the New Testament, Paul uses the analogy of a body, that Christ is the head, but we make up the body. And no one body part is more important than the other. And that when one body part suffers, the rest of the body must compensate. And so you understand that if you've ever hurt your back or your leg or your ankle or your arm, you understand how... You know, that one body part affects so much. Over the summer, I hurt my wrist. I don't even know how I did it. I, I, I thought maybe changing some, some bedding, I, I twisted my wrist, but that didn't make any sense, and it, it really hurt. I went to the doctor and the chiropractor, all oh, set you up, and that didn't work. And then it progressed to my whole shoulder, to the point where I couldn't sleep on my stomach anymore, and I love sleeping on my stomach. I had to sleep on my back, and I hated that, so I wasn't getting good sleep. And my whole body was having to compensate for just my wrist initially and then my whole arm uh, not being able to be fully functional. Um, you know, when you carry stuff, you need both arms, right? So you go to carry groceries and you're like, you know, you got like five bags here and you got like one bag here. It's like half your body's aging faster than the other. It's just not a good time. Well, Paul uses that sort of analogy when it comes to the church. If If people who are called to be, you know, hands, feet, toes, you know, ankles, whatever – aren't doing their part, the rest of us have to compensate. The rest of us have to carry a little bit more burden. And we do so joyfully, but it would be really great if we all came together as a body and, and carried out the plan that God has for us. You're needed in that sense. Now, eternally, if you turn your back and get rebellious, well, I'm leaving and I don't know what you're going to do, God. Well, God's going to fill that hole pretty quickly. Um, if you throw a spiritual temper tantrum to the Lord, he'll handle you like an adult or like a father handles a child. 
and, um, and and do that accordingly. But if you would, if you would uh, answer the call, God would have so much for you to do. And there's so much in the kingdom that is so vitally important, but looks so unimportant on the surface. You know, a visitation to somebody, you might think, well, they don't want to see me. They don't want to be, you know, but for some folks, if you pop in and you bring them a flower or a cupcake or something, it's the world to them. Just having that in their corner just changes everything. And maybe it's not somebody else within the church. Maybe it's somebody in the world where, you know, you have an exchange and they expect you to act a certain way because that's what everybody does. But then you act out of love and kindness and servitude and, and it confounds their logic. Why would you do that? Why would you pray for your enemy or serve where you don't get anything in return? And you just, well, that's, that's what's been done for me. That's what Jesus has done for me. He served me and loved me and I've got nothing to give back except myself. And that's all I can do. Your faithfulness is needed as the faithfulness was needed in the church in Colossae. And your love is needed. You know, we, we are all, all of us, myself included, we are victim of our culture, culture's mindset. Very self-centered, very introverted, very much looking for where we're missing out, where we're not getting what we deserve. And so we tend to look at the love we're not receiving. And if you're not receiving love, that's not a that's not a bad thing. That's nothing on you. If you're not receiving love, unless you're a jerk. If you want to be loved more, be less of a jerk. I don't see any jerks in the room, but I'm just saying, maybe somebody is listening online or something, and you know, just be nicer. And people tend to like that. Um, but my point is this: we tend to look at the love we don't have, waiting for that love to kind of be filled up before we will love anybody else. And that's sort of backwards to the gospel. That Jesus said that he loved us before we ever loved him. And that he died for our sins before we ever even knew we were sinners. So the idea is to not take all the emphasis off of ourselves where we're not loved at all. Uh, it, generally, it is really nice to be loved and to have that sort of bucket filled up in your life. But to look to serve and to love people. Where can I love people, especially in places where they're generally unloved? And I find that when we do that... Um, we might see the love of others increase, but we begin to understand the love Christ has for us. And that love that we were seeking gets greatly fulfilled by him rather than in this temporal way on this plane. We are loved by the Lord. Now, we, we, his love's there. His love doesn't change. What changes is you. you know, what, what changes is your mindset and what you see. You know, God's love is there poured out continuously. It's, it's a waterfall. It's just all of a sudden you realize, oh, yeah, that's how God loves me. And I, there's times where I don't give him anything back, but yeah, he still loves me and serves me and, and guides me and protects me and, and blesses me in a way that I couldn't even ask for. Your love and your faithfulness to the church is needed. It's needed on this level here. We need you. You know, we need each other to fully reflect Jesus. No one person here has that entire job to be the image of Jesus. No, through all of us together we will reflect Jesus hopefully and do our part and and serve and love one another. Lastly, speaking of servant, is being a servant to the church. Paul mentions this man named Epaphras. And he's mentioned twice here in this book, two or three times, and then once in the book of Philemon. 
It's believed that Epaphras was um, the pastor of the church, possibly the planter of this church or the founder of this church, and kind of the guy in charge, the shepherd, if you will, um, who was closely connected to Paul. It was kind of like Paul's guy appointed there to be the pastor of that church. And Paul mentions him by name. Now, we as a church, we lift up one name and one name alone. That name is Jesus. You know, my name is not greater than South Bay Chapel, and South Bay Chapel is not greater than Jesus. Jesus is the greatest name that we could ever hope to lift up, that all men may be drawn unto him, right? Um, but throughout the Bible, we're giving examples of men who lay down their lives. They give us an example. They themselves become a little shadow or a little glimpse of Jesus. And this man Epaphras is one of those men. He was a man who, at this time, he's serving in jail with, with Paul. Though he's the pastor of this church or the shepherd or the leader of this church in Colossae, he now has been imprisoned with Paul. He is serving with Paul in a prison ministry, if you will. Because he committed himself to serve the church in whatever capacity the church needed. I'm sure that sitting in a cell somewhere, and we're not talking about our modern day uh, jails, which prisons that I've personally never been to. But my understanding of a prison then is much different than a prison now, where prisoners have rights and that sort of thing. This was a different time and age. And I'm sure that this man probably thought, you know, I've been preaching the gospel and doing God's work, and here I am in jail. It's just a better place. I, I wish I was doing ministry, you know, someplace warm and sunny with drinks that have umbrellas. I wish I was there instead of jail. But yet here he is. Why? Because this is where the church needed him. He would eventually kind of go back and forth between the church and, and Paul. Now today, you know, when I speak to pastors online and things, like it's just an instantaneous thing. Pastors all around the country, I just send them an email or a Facebook message, and hey, we know what's going on instantaneously. But this was a day and an age before that kind of communication. So Epaphras would say, okay, you've got a letter. Okay, I'm going to take it to the church. And he'd make that journey, and, and he would survive the, the weather and the elements, and he would survive bandits and people who would come and try to steal and take from him all to get back to the church to deliver this letter to the church to be read amongst the people see church your your servitude is not exactly about what you do it's your willingness to do i just want to do whatever i can you know and i'm not you know i've kind of used myself as an example not because i'm tooting my own horn but it's all i've got to go on experience wise when i first uh, got called into the ministry, I was very scared because I had never read the Bible. and I, I mean, I knew Jesus, the Son of God, you know, Easter and all that, but that was kind of the extent of my knowledge. And I was so afraid. And, and, I, and I saw my pastor preaching and teaching. He was really good at it. Like, man, how you, and he was young at the time. He was like 35. And I'm like, wow, he's already really good at 35? Like, that's, I've never seen a pastor younger than 120 at this point. Uh, that's a joke. Well, but I, most pastors I'd seen were in their 60s and 70s. They'd been doing it for 40 years or 50 years. And I was like, wow, that's that's how do you get there? And so I, I just made a commitment. I'm just going to do whatever he tells me to do. I, if he says teach a Bible study, I'm going to do it. I don't know what I'm going to teach on. I don't even know what the books of the Bibles are called. I'll just, I'll, I just have to trust the Lord. And sure enough, he said, do you want to teach a Bible study? I just said, yes. Like I just had to say it fast enough because if I thought about it, I was going to say no. Okay, now, warning. Somebody in the church says, hey, you should lend me money. Hey, can you drive while I go to this certain spot and meet a certain person 
who's kind of shady, and I'm going to buy something from him that's illegal. Okay, these types of things are not serving the church. Okay. Um, here, I need you to take this and uh, you know put some fingerprints on it and keep it in your house for a while. This is not what we're talking. That is not servitude. There's this whole idea of um, something in the church called shield bearers that they basically take the rap for all the bad stuff that the pastor might do. They kind of protect the pastor from being liable for things and, and kind of builds a cocoon around them. That That's not biblical, and that's not what we're advocating. What we're talking about here is when somebody asks you, to, when you get presented with the opportunity to serve, and it's going to stretch you, and your initial reaction is, I don't want to do that. They need a, they need a ride to Syracuse. I don't want to go all the way out there. But I love them, and they have a need, and I can serve them in that way. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stretch myself. Oh, it's a Bible study. I never taught a Bible study, but you know, I I guess God's been using, you know, the simple things of the world to confine, confound the wise for a long time. He spoke through a donkey. I guess He can speak through me. I, sure, I'll, I'll I'll do that. Oh, we got to set up for the potluck, but you know, I was going to go to Flows on Saturday morning. Well, I guess I could go set up and then go to Flows. This is what we're talking about. We're not talking about moving mountains. We're just talking about putting our hands to the plow when it comes to the ministry of Jesus Christ. So your faithfulness and your love for the church is greatly needed. Now here's the good news about all of this. All of this is fueled by Christ. We'll get to this later. So much of what Paul is presenting here initially will be further described and explained later on in the book. But here's the thing. God has come not only to die for your sins, not only to take your place. The children today are learning about uh, Abraham and Isaac going into the wilderness and Isaac being... Uh, called to be sacrificed before God and this great test that Abraham went through and just before the last moment before he's going to sacrifice his son a, a ram is caught in the thicket and how he, how this ram was a substitute and how Jesus is our substitute here's the good news not only is Jesus our substitute when it comes to sin and forgiveness he's also the one that empowers us to do those things that he wants us to do um, there are times where you're going to be so tired and so done and so ready to give up and the Lord will empower you to do more than you felt you were capable of doing. It's not, it's not willpower. It's not uh, you just reaching down, deep down, like coaches type of a thing where you're like just 110%. It's literally I've got nothing, and yet somehow I'm giving something. And I don't know how I, I'm doing it other than the Lord doing it through me. And here's the thing I've learned about those moments. It doesn't puff you up. It shouldn't puff you up. I guess it could, but... What it's done for me is it actually humbles me. Like, I, Lord, only you could do something like this. Only you could take these fishes and loaves and feed multitudes. Like, I, I'm not great and powerful. You are. And, and I can't believe you would even allow me to be a part of something so beautiful. You know, when somebody comes to know Jesus, it's a beautiful thing. When someone is learning and asking questions and being discipled, you know, it's, it's a wonderful thing. I had somebody last week ask me some questions about the sermon, and they were afraid of, of offending me or that I feel like they were challenging my authority type of a thing. And I'm like, no, dude, you got to ask these questions. we got to know this is, this is what it means to, to walk with Jesus, to talk and ask and, and to seek, you know, and to, to, to go beyond just the limited resources that I have, to go to books that have been written by men who, who love Jesus and to go to the Word and, and to seek uh, Jesus through that. We we need, and by the glory of God, we have 
this power through Christ that only he supplies and only he can provide. And I love that because it's not all up to me. This morning, you know, we had to leave early and there was a couple, there was another pastor there and uh, he's like, are you ready? Because he was going to his church to preach too. Are you ready? And I said, yeah. But then, I was, then in my head, I had this big explanation and I'm like, I don't really know this guy yet. I'm going to save this for myself. But I thought, you know, I'm only as ready as I possibly can be. I can only be so ready on a Sunday morning. I literally rest in the fact that when I get here, that Jesus is going to start saying things that he wants you to hear. That he's going to start telling me things. And it's not a, a weird thing where, like, I shake or anything. It's just 90% of what I've said to you this morning has nothing to do with the message that I prepared beforehand. And so it's my belief and my conviction that those are the things you need to hear today. I believe that South Bay Chapel has the potential as a church to revolutionize, to change our community, unlike any church before us. Not because we have the best of everything, but simply because we are willing to love and to serve others. And nothing changes the world faster than people who know that they are loved by Christ, so they go and they love other people. The church has been growing that way for thousands of years. And that's why I see our church as a place where people are going to be sanctified and made holy. People are going to be changed and convicted of things that the rest of the world is not convicted of. And they're going to be confounded. We're just going to say, you know what? This is Jesus. These are why I have the convictions that I do. This is what he did for me on the cross. That before I ever cleaned up anything about myself, he willingly gave his life. Though he died at the hands of murderers, it was him who laid his life down and then picked his life back up again. That today he rules and reigns at the right hand of his Father. That through him, and we'll read about this later on in Colossians, that through him everything was made. And all things were made for him. You were made for him. No matter where you've come from, no matter what sin you've committed, you were made for him. You were created for the king. You are his child today by faith in him. And so I would implore you and I would challenge you today to go before the Lord, to ask him to change your heart about the church, to not join the bandwagon that just wants to bash the church. That's really easy to do. There are so many flaws in the church. You can make a really good living writing books about what's wrong with the church. But let's do this instead. Let's be the church. Let's love people who are confounded by the church who don't understand the church, who find it irrelevant or old or, or just uh, a, a time for another generation, but, but now this progressive culture doesn't need it anymore. Let's be the church that says, here's Jesus. Whether you need him or not, here is Jesus, and he loves you, and he seeks you. So let's all stand and pray. We are all quirky and awkward and different and come from different walks of life. I know there's some of you are just – is today the NASCAR thing, Dan? It is. So a lot of you are chomping at the bit to get home, watch NASCAR. And, and you know, I don't understand NASCAR, but I love you, so that's great. Like, I don't have to love NASCAR to love you. Um, but here's the thing. In our differences, we can come together like puzzle pieces. I want to get all metaphorical. We're like different puzzle pieces. We fit together in a way that complete a bigger picture that is Jesus. And so let's be that. Jesus, we love you this morning. 
Um, we are imperfect people gathered together imperfectly to serve and to worship and to seek a perfect a perfect God, a, uh, the epitome of perfection. I pray today, Lord, you know, for us, we're, we're, we're just people. But I've seen you through your word. I've seen you meet people. And it's like an atom bomb goes off in their life. I think of men like Paul who was killing the church, Lord, and you met him and you, and you just confronted him and he fell at your feet and he was used to revolutionize the world. That through the Holy Spirit, we have books of the Bible and tradition and, and the church that we celebrate today. I pray, Lord, that we would just be people who maybe we're not going to do things that Paul did, but maybe we'll just do the things you're calling us to do. Maybe it's just uh, this or just that. There really is no just work to be done in your kingdom. I pray, Lord, that we would be thankful for your church that we would serve your church and love your church and be faithful to your church. And I pray that for myself as well, Lord. Um, in this moment, we're all together on the same plane, looking up to you, seeking these things on the behalf of your church. So I pray, Lord, may this week be unlike the other weeks. May we see opportunities to serve and may we answer that call. May we be uh, a shoulder for someone to cry on. You know, may we make soup for somebody who might be sick. May we be uh, just attentive when when they say something, and you just want to you just ask the right question that opens the floodgates about the things that they're going through. Maybe it's just getting coffee or something, Lord. Whatever it is, may we be seeking and looking for those moments because we love your church. And if we don't have love for your church today, Lord, I'm asking that you would change our hearts. Your word is pretty clear. You love your church very much. So much so that you are willing to give your only begotten son. And so I pray that we would seek to love your church in that same way. And if we can't in and of ourselves, then may you change the desires of our heart that we might desire to love your church. We give you the praise, the honor, and the glory today. And may Jesus' name be high and lifted up, that all men may be drawn unto him. In his precious name we pray. Amen.